Welcome back to Empowered Rx. We are the mentorship program and community that helps women who have had their lives disrupted by trauma to reclaim their health and step into their power. At Empowered Rx, we believe in the transformative and healing power of fitness, nutrition, and mindset. We're here to give you actionable tips and resources that will help you get back on track and reach your goals. We are here to help you turn your struggles into strengths so that you can be so strong, so healthy, and so empowered. Welcome back to Empowered Rx. We are the mentorship program that helps young girls and women to restore their health once it's been disrupted by trauma and eating disorders. Today I'm here to talk to you about something quite vulnerable, something that I'm going through in lifetime and something that really often gets the best of me. Um, as a trauma survivor, we know that trauma often manifests physically just as much as it does emotionally. And some of these common physical signs might include poor concentration, a racing heartbeat, fatigue, lethargy, panic attacks, nausea, the list could go on and on. The further we get from trauma without dealing it, the more likely these physical symptoms are apt to manifest um, in our body. And the studies suggest that trauma could make you more vulnerable to developing physical health problems, chronic illness, autoimmune disorders, and it just it's, can wreak havoc on your entire life. Um, you know, I have been struggling with, you know, trauma for over a decade. And the initial reactions to trauma can include exhaustion, confusion, sadness, anxiety, disassociation, confusion, blunted affect, physical arousal. These are all normal responses that affect most survivors and are socially acceptable. But what happens when we experience trauma in our body decades later? What happens when we go to the doctor and say, hey, I'm under a lot of stress and X, Y, and Z? A lot of times we're told, oh, it might be in your head. Oh, just take a break. Um, it can be very, very confusing. So I'm about to dive into um, what it's like to have autoimmune conditions as a result of chronic stress and trauma. And I'm going to really be brutally honest about what goes on in my body how it impacts me emotionally, physically, spiritually, relationally. And I'm hoping that people out there can find some solace in knowing that they're not alone with these symptoms. They're not crazy. They're not a hypochondriac. Um, and hopefully I can provide some, some tips and tricks that help people to kind of learn to cope and live with maybe something that's going to be a lifelong struggle. Before I dive in deep to this, I just want to make a note and a disclaimer that I am not a doctor. Um, I am going to be talking about my lived experiences as a trauma survivor and as someone with autoimmune conditions. There are such a myriad of health consequences to trauma that, you know, to cover them all in this, this episode would mean you guys would be here with me for hours and I don't want to do that to you guys. So this will be a mini series for sure. Uh, but today I'm going to just be talking about the autoimmune conditions that impact me and how it pertains to my family and the trauma that I've experienced. So I first want to recognize that there is absolutely a genetic component to many of the autoimmune struggles that I do have. However, 
the management of them is highly, highly surrounded and dictated by the amount of stress, triggers, and trauma that I have going on in my current life. And so with an autoimmune condition, the body essentially believes that it's under attack, whether that's systemically or to a certain organ. Um, And it responds. It responds as if it's fighting back and it produces symptoms that are just really, really hard to live with. Um, I was diagnosed with Hashimoto's um, hypothyroidism um, and acute thyroiditis about six months after I experienced an assault. So was this genetic? Yes. However, the doctor said I was really, really young. I was in high school. And typically, things like Hashimoto's don't necessarily appear until um, 20s to 30s, right? So they asked me if there had been something that had happened, and I just didn't think that an assault could be connected to my physical health. I just had no idea that that was something. And so I said, no, I don't think so. I, I can't think of anything. Um, But meanwhile, I was going through all the stress. I had disordered eating as secondary to the assault. I was constantly having nightmares and flashbacks and anxiety. And I just couldn't even make it through a day without thinking about what had happened to me. All of this stress impacted my entire body. And I started to have issues with my period. I started to have issues with my skin. I started to have issues with um, pain. I was getting sick often, um, nausea. I just couldn't couldn't get out of bed some days. And you know, this is something that I don't think I've ever talked about as part of the trauma because there is a little bit of shame that goes along with it. Um, I pride myself in my health. I pride myself in being able to be fit and healthy. And I just have to say, this is another instance where health and fitness has possibly saved my life. Um, I can't imagine if I didn't have a healthy lifestyle, what my life would be like. Uh, I, I just can't. So at times when maybe my body needs rest or when I am down for the count because these autoimmune conditions have flared up, I actually kind of can panic a little bit because health has helped me so much that I'm so afraid of losing it. Um, And it's taken a lot, a lot of awareness, work, and practice to understand that worrying will only make the situation worse, right? It's a catch-22. So being able to sit in the discomfort and to breathe through it is something that will always be a work in progress, but I feel has contributed greatly to me being able to resolve these flare-ups pretty quickly. Uh, Before we dive into what I'm going through now, I do want to rewind back to when I was a child. So many of you have heard me talk about this before, but I was molested at age five by a friend's father. Um, childhood trauma makes it hard for us to turn off stress. In a healthy situation, trauma-free, a child can respond to small stressors, recover from it, and develop something called resiliency. But chronic and unpredictable traumas in childhood will constantly flood the body with stress hormones. And it makes us hypervigilant, and it keeps us in an inflammatory state. When I experienced this trauma, you know, it wasn't just, it was an acute trauma at first, but the impact of 
childhood sexual abuse is long-term and it impacts the whole family system. And unfortunately, my parents didn't really handle the situation in a way that got me the help that I needed or that allowed me to be seen and heard. I also grew up in a very volatile environment. My parents should have gotten a divorce very early on, but they stuck it out. Um, And it was just a very hostile environment to live in. And so I was constantly surrounded by stress. So researchers have developed a scale. It's called the ACE scale. And it's a quiz that assesses the relationship between childhood trauma and disease risk. And this is where everything gets fascinating. Um, These studies show that anyone with a score of four, okay, or more is at a higher risk for chronic disease, suicide, and addiction. Now, on a scale of zero to 10, my ACE score is a six. And so it is extremely hard to process and to face the fact that my life might be at more risk long-term than others who maybe don't have as high of an ACE score. And I've had to really keep my anger in check with that, which is hard to face. Um, But I know that my health is something that is so precious to me. And I believe that a healthy lifestyle, nutrition, knowledge, and all of this stuff is so important to me because it literally could change the entire trajectory of my life. We work with a lot of our clients who have ACE scores of four or higher. And so teaching these ladies and these people how to be independent, healthy individuals um, with coping skills that are, you know, socially acceptable and safe um, is is not just important, it's life-changing. And so I cannot stress that if you have been through chronic trauma, complex PTSD, or you've had a lot, a lot of childhood struggles, that you talk to somebody about this and you seek out a coach that can help you with your wellness to see where there's areas that you might be able to improve to better the chance of a happy, long, healthy life. Now, there are some obvious flaws with this ACE quiz, right? There are things that are not taken into account that are traumatic, so natural disasters, living in poverty. Um, All of these things compound trauma and also provide different health risks, chaotic environments, lack of uh, medical services. Answering all the questions on the ACE quiz doesn't give a full picture of the adversity that someone has faced. So it's not necessarily a full indicator of possible risk or a full picture um, of possible solutions that one can consider. Every single person is different and these adverse childhood experiences will impact everyone differently. Just because someone has experienced several ACEs does not mean that their health is going to be destroyed. Um, Many children will develop resilience. Others will not. Genetic factors also play a role, and some children are more predisposed to adversity than others, um, to being more sensitive to it. And so a common factor among children who show resilience um, is that they had at least one stable and responsive relationship with one of their parents. And so really uh, all these other factors, the socioeconomic, um, environmental factors, those are additional traumas that compound all of this stress and make these ACEs probably even higher scored. 
I was very privileged and fortunate enough, I recognized that, to be provided food, a house, safety, medical treatment, um, and I did have a loving extended family, and so I am so grateful for that. I cannot imagine not having those things because I can only imagine that developing resilience would be something that was even harder. So from the time of the childhood sexual abuse on, um, developmentally, I kept up with my peers, but physically symptoms manifested early and often. I often felt ill, often had headaches, often had stomach aches. Um, I would get strep throat kind of often, uh, but it wasn't often enough to the point where doctors were really concerned. I just kind of was a little kid who got sick often, a little more often than their peers, but not too much to cause concern. Um, When I started going through puberty, uh, I became a little bit more withdrawn and as many, you know, teenagers do. And then when I was assaulted in high school, that's when things really, really, really went downhill fast. Um, Compounded with body image issues and previous traumas and living in a stressful environment at home, I just never felt relaxed. I never felt okay. I never felt fully safe emotionally or physically for that matter. And I was in constant fight or flight mode. Now our brain is hardwired to handle stress, but not for long chronic periods of time. Fight or flight in humans is our brain survival mechanism. Say you're walking in the dark and something pops out at you and scares you. Our heart rate will go up. Our blood pressure goes up. Um, We quickly are able to either fight or flee um, and get away. This is something that is life-saving, but it's designed to be a short-term physiological response. Um, In emotional trauma, the fear center of the brain gets programmed to habitually stay engaged and it actually enlarges in size. This does not happen in acute short-term stress. The fear response becomes a vicious cycle and it goes on and on, maybe for the rest of that person's life, unless we get help. And so here's the thing that's really frustrating. People might handle stress well now and be living the dream. My life, I'm so blessed. I have an amazing husband. I have amazing friends. I, you know, I enjoy the communities that I'm a part of. I am living my dream life with my business that I have. Um, There is nothing actually wrong in the moment. But in neurological examination, my physiology still thinks that whatever emotional trauma was going on back then is still going on. And this is a phenomenon that trauma survivors experience every day. When people are exposed to emotional trauma, especially in early childhood, when our brains aren't fully developed, um, we can't keep our fear centers in check. When the danger is gone, our fear center might not turn off. And so we don't actually learn how to differentiate between true threats and just maybe small everyday stressors. And this is why a lot of trauma survivors have issues with emotional regulation or in just managing stress in general. So here's the problem, right? Because our brains are not fully developed as children, we basically can't shut down that fear center. We have to understand that this fear center is now perpetually firing through our adrenal glands. 
Um, they start making all kinds of stress hormones. And the stress hormone cortisol in particular makes us feel like everything is going wrong. And it starts to impact our short-term memory and our sleep rhythm. Um, as the fear center increases in size, memory can be impacted. This is just the tip of the iceberg, really. Uh, this is when abnormal physiological symptoms are basically mapped out. So we're going to see chronic stress hormones that will cause exacerbation of any other symptom that we're having. We can develop depression, anxiety, ulcers, fatigue, um, UTIs, uh, bladder infections, infertility, and Hashimoto's or hypothyroidism. Now, I said earlier that I recognize that Hashimoto's is largely genetic. Most people in my family on my mother's side have Hashimoto's, but most of them did not get it until their 30s or their 40s. I got it when I was 17 or 18. Um, and so with all the studies out there, they, they show that early onset chronic stress is not causative, but highly correlated to the idea that we might have our DNA triggered early to have that disease that we know we're going to probably get later on in life show up at a different time. Now, here is the kicker, right? And this is why trauma and autoimmune conditions are such a catch-22. Hypothyroidism, specifically Hashimoto's, causes fatigue, uh, nausea, headaches, dry skin, anxiety, mood disturbances, all of these things. So we have trauma, which causes hypothyroidism, and then hypothyroidism, which causes more mood disturbance or more life struggle. And so you can see how the cycle of stress can get out of control if we do not have a management plan, um, health practices, or good coping skills. We add in other complexities such as weight changes with um, a flare-up of Hashimoto's or abdominal swelling, and these can cause body image disturbances. So for our clients who are polytrauma survivors, who have not only experienced these adverse childhood experiences, but also disordered eating, we can actually see the uptick of an autoimmune disorder also create relapse or just other difficulties in their eating disorder. And so autoimmune conditions related to trauma become a very, very, very scary, real, and almost daily situation that we have to learn to navigate. I've learned over the past decade what really triggers my autoimmune conditions to kind of spike up, okay? And I'm going to go over those in just a moment. Um, this is not to blame anybody. This is not to victimize myself. We're just looking at this objectively. I am in charge of my own life, of my own health, and I'm in charge of my own boundaries as well. So I take full responsibility for everything that I experience um, however, this is the reality of being a trauma survivor. So a couple weeks ago, you guys, um, I got into a conflict with somebody that was close to me and some things were said that really, really, really triggered me. They triggered some deep wounds from just all different angles and it set off a response in my body that was fight or flight. So I was sitting there and after reading something from this person, I, I felt my entire body 
just disassociate. So basically, I felt like my mind and my body were not connected. This is a survival mechanism or a stress response that can happen. So relationships are one of my big triggers. When something goes wrong in a relationship, it can literally be a trigger for a cascade of turmoil in my body. Um, The other things that can trigger me are going to be um, inability to sleep, okay? Or if I run my body into the ground or poor nutrition. So yeah, it's like a full-time job to manage the trauma. And um, I am not a trauma survivor. I'm a trauma warrior because I fight this every day. And I'm not a victim to my circumstances, but it does take work. And I feel extremely fortunate that I'm able to share my experiences with people and help them for my life job and my passion. So as soon as this conflict occurred, I knew what was happening in my body and and my priorities completely shifted. I knew I had to take a step back from the situation. I knew that I needed to focus on my health, my well-being, and my habits in order to make sure that there wasn't a health spiral. Um, Now, (laughs) that is really hard to do, to step away from conflict that is personal and that that hurts, um, especially when you feel maybe you need to defend yourself. To be able to take a step back and, and reorient is something that is a skill. And that's something that we work on with our um, people in our program is how do we disengage, step back, and disconnect in a way that protects us while refocusing our priorities and our self-care. So for three days, I was just completely a mess. I could not sleep. I had no appetite. I you know, booked an emergency therapy call just to make sure that I was being proactive. And it, it was unfortunate because I could logically and critically reason the conflict with that person and know everything was going to be fine. But my nervous system did not respond that way. And so it's, it's really frustrating because you're sitting, your mind has to sit in a hectic body and kind of just go through the experience. And I did, I got frustrated. I let that frustration get the best of me with regards to what my body was doing. You know, it interrupts my sleep, my workouts. It makes me feel drained. I can't eat well. Um, My body image issues flare up. And so it would be really easy to get angry and to focus on everything that's going wrong. But that would only perpetuate the autoimmune response that was going on in my body. And so what you have to do is we have to learn acceptance. Acceptance is not easy. It is a skill. Um, It is a huge factor of resiliency is to be able to accept so that we can then make a plan and move forward without ruminating. And what's really hard is that, you know, in an ideal situation, the person that you are engaging with would understand your situation or would be informed and would potentially be able to help you through this or at least work together with you to resolve the conflict quickly so that your nervous system could come down. But we have to remember that we are only in charge of ourselves and we are not responsible for other people. And so that sometimes doesn't happen. And that didn't happen for me. I did not get conflict resolution for at least a week. And so I really had to keep my practices in check. 
I worked out, I moved, but I kept my intensity below 80%. High intensity interval training is great for handling acute stress, but it can trigger inflammation and it can trigger us to kind of go into hyper arousal or outside our window of tolerance if we are chronically stressed. And so I made sure to keep my workouts um, low key. And if I didn't feel the workout was right for me that day, I did my own thing. The second thing I did was I prioritized sleep. My I was so exhausted. Um, I am such a, a go-getter kind of person. I I like to always be on the move. I have a hard time sitting still. Anyone who knows me knows that like rest is something that I struggle with. But I made sure to incorporate naps, meditation, um, early bedtimes, and things of that nature to make sure that my body was going to get that recharge time that it so desperately needed. And let me tell you guys, a lot of times we can feel lazy or shame for resting. Our society is set up so that we are promoted to do over overwork, over exhaustion, to hustle, hustle, hustle. We can't do that in this situation. We have to slow down or we will get steamrolled by this autoimmune response that we are having. And so I really, really, really urge you that if you are struggling with shame related to needing to relax or you're unable to relax, reach out to us. This is what we do. This is what we help you with is establishing habits, breaking free from the chains of shame and and navigating a life that is best for you, okay? Because diet culture is pervasive and it really, really, you know, sends this message that you had to go hard or go home. More is better. For trauma survivors, those things couldn't be more true. It's a delicate dance of rest, recovery, and knowing when to push. And this was a time where I knew it was not a pushing week. And so, you know, the past couple days I haven't worked out. And I know, I know that it's the right thing for my body. But, you know, you get asked, hey, are you working out today? Hey, did you do today's workout? Why not? Um, You get questioned, especially as a health professional or a fitness professional. There's these expectations that you are always going to be on, that you are always going to be performing your best, that you are always going to maintain a consistent schedule. Let me tell you this. I was an over-exerciser in high school. I did a lot of damage to my body by doing that. My mind wants to exercise all the time. So if I'm not exercising, it's not because I don't want to. It's because my body is telling me that it's not a good idea and I, out of self-respect and out of you know consideration of the future consequences, know that rest sometimes has to happen. Depending on the autoimmune flare-up, it could last anywhere from three days to a month, typically. Um, I've had longer, but yeah, that was when I had COVID. So this is now going on three weeks and my body feels trashed. I'm exhausted. I feel like I could sleep 12 hours a day. I'm not hungry, I'm thirsty, Um, my mind is racing, I'm not able to get any sleep, Um, and my thyroid just feels completely off. I'm going to have to go get some blood work done, Um, having some other issues there with hormones and stuff. So if I didn't manage this, it could be an everyday struggle. These flare-ups can last for a long time, and things like diet, lifestyle changes, they're the key to managing this. Um, They play a tandem role with conventional Western medicine interventions like Synthroid, which I take on a daily basis. 
If my diet and nutrition is off, my body feels it. It's not in my head. It is something that is completely, completely um, based on the sensitivity of my body and how balanced it needs to be to be able to function. We think that these things are preventable, but they're not. We we can't. Uh, we can't just prevent them. We can't choose to not have them. If that was the case, I would never have them. Uh, natural attempts to reduce stress can be quick acting. So I meditate on a daily basis. I journal. Um, I have all these other little rituals I can do to help with stress, but I can't control other people. And so when other people uh, step out of line or do something that is really uncomfortable, I have to go into triage mode and, and treat the situation as though it is a crisis. Um, regular exercise is shown to reduce the symptoms of autoimmune uh, flare-ups, but not too much. And so if I am over-exercising, I'll get a flare-up. Um, if I am not eating well, not getting fruits and vegetables, eating a lot of sugar or fast food, I will get a flare-up. All of these things are frustrating beyond control. And it is what it is. I have to live with it. I'm not the only one that has to live with it. I would say most of the clients that are enrolled in our Empowered program have um, have comorbidities that are as a result of high-stress lifestyles. And I want you to take a second and think about this. When I say that I am struggling with stress, I don't necessarily mean that I'm sitting there thinking, man, I'm feeling really stressed out. The problem with growing up with trauma or in a chaotic environment is you get used to it. So your mind does not say, oh, stress, but your body does. The chemicals in your body start to to change based on the stressors that you're going through. And it's often that we just kind of shut down or go on autopilot because that's how we're used to handling things. And that can cause us to burn out. And so burnout is one of those things that we'll see a high level of in uh, trauma survivors, especially those who also have eating disorders because perfectionism and anxiety also tend to kind of go along with those traits. And so one of the biggest things that we recommend is that you stay ahead of the trigger. That means daily self-care. That means journaling, self-reflection, get a community of support that understands what you are going through. Talk about these things. If your doctor thinks that it's in your head, find a new doctor. Um, trauma is complex. It's pervasive. And, you know, so many health issues can arise as a result of childhood uh, experiences. So one of the things that people don't realize is that ACEs, they, they basically cause depression, asthma, cancer, diabetes, all of these things. Cardiovascular disease is about 52 times more likely to occur in somebody who has had an ACE score of a six or higher. Think about that. Think about how unfair that is. And yet, it's up to the survivor to take their health into their own hands. It is extreme ownership. And so for so long I sat around for so many years and I said, oh, this is so unfair. I shouldn't have to do X, Y, and Z. I shouldn't have to do extra this. I'm gonna work out just because I'm stressed. I, I'm not gonna take a rest day, you know. I don't deserve it, whatever. I made all these excuses as to why I wouldn't necessarily act on doing the things I need to do to manage my health. And I would keep getting flare-ups. 
And it was a really rude awakening to have to, I ended up in the hospital one time with a kidney infection and I just, I realized like, no, I have to own this. What happened to me is not my fault, but what happens to me in the future is up to me. And if I don't take extreme ownership of my health, my health is going to take ownership of me. My trauma will own me for the rest of my life. And so it's frustrating. It can be exhausting. It can cost extra money. It can cause disturbances in my routines or my plans. But the biggest, most important factor of finding acceptance is going to be learning how to be still and to observe, to tune into your body's needs and to be okay with changing your mind, to be okay with changing plans, and to be okay with not pleasing those around you who maybe just don't understand. One of the things that I think we as a society need to do better at is to not place the onus on the individual after trauma. There is acute care, there is therapy and all these things, but there is nobody out there teaching trauma survivors how to take care of their health in an individualized way. And so what we'll see is we'll see either people who just don't take care of their health at all and they suffer the consequences at the hands of trauma. They don't have the resources or the financial um, means to be able to get the help that they truly need. Or we will see that people end up immersed in diet culture because that is the typical health information out there. The sad reality is that diet culture can actually cause uh, more damage to somebody's nervous system, to their psyche, to their mind, their body, and their spirit. And so I really feel like it's a responsibility as a society to create communities in which this type of conversation is normalized and in which we help people learn how to take care of themselves throughout the lifespan, including in times of crisis. So if you're listening to this and this is resonating with you, please send us a message. We would just love to hear who's listening out there, who can relate. If you have questions or need any assistance, you can reach out to us. We are on Instagram at EmpoweredRx, or you can email Leah at EmpoweredRx.org. That's L-E-A-H at EmpoweredRx.org. And we are here to help. So you can check out our website, www.empoweredrx.org, and find all sorts of resources. We've got a free body image workbook. We've got a free trauma quiz. We've got free um, educational modules on there to help you learn more about diet culture. And then we also have all of our programming, one-on-one training, uh, one-on-one trauma coaching, nutrition. We have our groups for teens and for adults. And this is a safe community that is striving to be better versions of ourselves, healed, stronger, more confident, and more resilient. So if you are interested, please reach out. You do not have to go through this alone. And trauma does not have to dictate your future health. All right, guys, have a great day. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Empowered Rx. If you want to find us for more information or to understand more about our services, you can find us on Instagram at EmpoweredRx or you can join our free Facebook community filled with women who are all trying to get healthy and happy. 
To find that community, simply go to Facebook and search for the Empowered RX community. Have a great day, you guys, and stay well.